Hello, and welcome to the Alliant Health Solutions Making Healthcare Better podcast. My name is Rukia Campbell, and I'm your host today. And joining me is Holly Goodridge and Abby Ruiz. They are both um, people that actually have chronic conditions that have gotten the vaccine, the COVID-19 vaccine. Um, We're talking today about the vaccine because there are people that may or may not have hesitancy around getting it that have a chronic condition. So we wanted to do an episode and talking with real people around what their experience has been. So Holly, um, please, if you can take a moment and introduce yourself, that would be great. Uh, Yeah. So my name is Holly Goodrich um, and I actually, I have Crohn's disease and I um, am a recent kidney transplant patient. I have multiple chronic illnesses that I'm dealing with. Okay. And then Abby. Yeah. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And I thank you once again for having me. My name is Abby Ruiz and I am in Austin, Texas. I was diagnosed with end-stage renal failure with an unknown cause in 2004. Um, I'm a two-time transplant recipient and received my second kidney in July of 2019. Um, Since my diagnosis, I have devoted a portion of my life to advocating for patients with kidney-related illnesses. I currently serve as um, a patient representative in Austin, Texas. Uh, I'm a sitting board member for the Texas Renal Coalition. I'm a member of the ESRD Network 14 Patient Advisory Council. And I have received both vaccines. As of air date of this podcast, according to the CDC, 50 million people have received at least one dose of the vaccine, with 25 million people being fully vaccinated at this time. That's about 9% of the American population. But the thing that's most important to note is the importance of getting the vaccine. Individuals with certain medical conditions are at increased risk of severe illness if they become infected with COVID. So the CDC is recommending that those with chronic health conditions get vaccinated as soon as their phase opens up for their specific states. So how do we define chronic disease? That would be people that are living with or currently had cancer, chronic kidney disease, um, heart conditions such as heart failure and coronary artery disease, sickle cell, type 2 diabetes, and the list goes on. Now, it's been shared by the CDC that those with chronic health conditions, like the ones just mentioned, are at a higher risk of, if getting COVID, um, experiencing more serious symptoms, and possibly being hospitalized. So so COVID-19 has been around since about March 2020 of last year that has impacted the entire world, basically. Um, But has COVID actually impacted either of you personally? Um, this is Holly. Um, yes. And, and in my family, it has, I am actually, or I was actually an elementary school teacher Mm -hmm. and due to COVID and, um, my kidney transplant. And at that point when it had came out, I was still on dialysis. Mm -hmm. Um, I had chosen to leave my job as an elementary teacher because of the uncertainty Mm -hmm. of the virus and what the impacts would be on me um, and my family. So I have, I chose to leave the profession. Um, I have not gotten another job since then, um, of course, due to my, my transplant. And now my husband is also working at home. 
And my son is actually at home too, virtually. Um, I've chosen not to send him back to school. So life in my household has just kind of turned itself upside down where before we were all out doing different things. Um, we had baseball tournaments on the weekend, um, for my son, he was on a select baseball team and we had band, um, practices and things like that. Now everything is just here at the house. And so my world has just kind of just turned upside down due to this virus. And I'm hoping that soon, um, things can return back to normal. Yes, we all do. I'm sure. Yeah. So it sounds like because of your um, chronic condition, it, it really did turn your life upside down. And, you know, you and your family had to make decisions around um, what to do to best protect, you know, you and the people in your home. Correct. Yes. So what about you, Abby? How has it impacted you? You know, I always knew that because I was on the immunosuppressive drugs that I would have a higher risk of infection, whether Mm -hmm. it was from viruses like colds or flu or anything else. Mm -hmm. And I realized the media was saturated with what we knew about COVID at the time and as it evolved, but I never heard mentioned anything about immunosuppressed populations. Mm -hmm. And so I felt this, I felt compelled to start doing research on my own to kind of help me lower my chances of getting the virus. Mm-hmm. And the more research I did, of course, the more I realized that the medical community did not have specific information on whether, you know, COVID would be more severe in transplant recipients compared to healthier people. Hmm. And so the lack of data about immunosuppression and COVID was weighing heavy on my mind Mm -hmm. and truly affected the way I thought about trying to go back to work and how I, you know, lived day to day. Yeah. So, um, so were there any specific precautions that you decided to take personally, knowing that you were vulnerable? Well, of course I have definitely been more conservative on my outings. Mm -hmm. Grocery store visits are rare, of course, as I started getting, you know, grocery deliveries. Um, I have masks that are several layers of cotton that fit well. And I make sure that they're fitting well when I do have to go out. Mm -hmm. I also wear a face shield and use tons of hand sanitizer and bleach wipes on everything. In fact, sometimes I almost feel paranoid rather than cautious when I'm out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can imagine um, just kind of a high sense level of anxiety <laughs> with being around yeah, more people. Awareness. You're yeah. more aware of what you're touching and who you're around, how, mm-hmm. how close you are to others. Mm-hmm. So, um, so now we have a, a couple of options with vaccines um, that, that were shared now that would decrease our risk of hospitalization if we were to get COVID. Um, did either of you have any hesitation Um, when that announcement was made about getting the vaccine? And if so, why or why not? I did not, this is Holly, I did not have any um, hesitation at all in taking the vaccine. Um, As soon as it was approved um, by the CDC, um, I actually asked my um, transplant uh, doctors at my next appointment. I had just been three months past transplant when the uh, vaccine was approved and I asked about it and they said um, that they didn't see any harm in it. They wanted to do a little bit more research on it before 
they um, made any decisions or anything like that, but they didn't see any harm in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was very persistent on keeping up with them on the vaccine. Um, I believe in science. I believe in the doctors. I believe in research. And um, I felt like any protection at this point was better than no protection mm-hmm. at this point and in time with so many people getting sick and dying and my high vulnerability to, um, to catching COVID with my Crohn's disease and the immunosuppressants for that, um, disease, as well as with the transplant and the transplant medication, I was very fearful of not receiving that vaccine. You know, I really felt like it was a lifesaver for me. Mm. And so you actually received your first dose three months after your transplant, um, right at, a little over three months, like three and a half months after. Okay. Yes. Okay. And then Abby, what about you? Were you hesitant at all about taking the vaccine? Um, I was, Mm -hmm. I honestly was when I was first advised by my transplant team that I should be vaccinated. My immediate thought was, you know, vaccines create antibodies and antibodies could hurt my new kidney. So while the information about the effects of the vaccine on people with transplanted organs was limited about side effects from the vaccine and its impact on my new transplant, my transplant team offered the standard, you know, benefits outweigh the risks advice. And so I just had to reach out to my nephrologist and he advised me that he was also recommending that I get the vaccine and agreed with my transplant team that those benefits outweigh the risks. my, my nephrologist acknowledged he knew that I was naturally cautious and knew that I was also the queen of research. And he, he led me to a few pages to read to kind of ease my mind. Now, I'm not an anti-vaxxer by no means, but I did initially become vaccine hesitant as again, there was limited data on mm-hmm. my, my particular situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and as time went on, my hesitations eased and my confidence grew as I focused more on researching the vaccine itself and Mm -hmm. the development and learned more about the differences between a conventional vaccine and the new mRNA vaccine. And I I learned, you know, that mRNA vaccines create antibodies that are specific to the COVID virus and wouldn't induce antibodies that I was so afraid would hurt my transplant. Wow. So so, really just doing the footwork yourself and the research on your own and seeing what was out there, you were able to get comfortable and make, make a a decision for yourself just based on what you were learning on your own. Absolutely. I I feel like everybody deserves access to information that's grounded in science and analysis Mm -hmm. to, Mm -hmm. to make those informed choices. And you mentioned you've actually had two transplants. How long ago was your last one? My most, my last one was in 2012 and my most recent was in 2019. Okay. Okay. All right. Are you in, are both of you still on medications as well while, you know, since post-transplant? Oh yes. Yes. Okay. Okay. So, um, so what was the process like for you to be able to get the vaccine? Holly, I know you said you had extensive conversations with your doctor. Did, was he able to facilitate that or how, how were you able to, to go ahead and, you know, kind of get the call? Okay. You know, come get it. (laughs) Um, well, yes. So, um, I'm at UT Southwest here in Dallas and, um, the doctor's, there got their shipment of vaccine and 
the entire transplant um, community team, the heart transplant, liver transplant, um, kidney transplant team, all of them I got together and they talked and they all sent out a letter to every single patient saying, you know, we recommend this vaccine. Here's why. And um, we um, are having appointments come online. So as soon as you see your appointment um, uh, portal come up on on your my chart, go ahead and make an appointment when you can. So I received that call about two days after I got the letter to check my uh, my chart portal. So I checked my my chart portal, mm-hmm. and there were appointments available for the entire next week. So I just picked as soon as I can, 8 a.m. the next morning. I was like, I'm in. I'm not going to miss this vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get this. I'm, you know, we're going to do this. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. So um, and luckily, my husband, because he was my um, my donor, he also got a letter from the transplant team offering for him to get the vaccine as well. So he was right there with me. Mm-hmm. You know, he took the next appointment available. So we were there the first day they had them out at the hospital available for our group to get them. Mm-hmm. And we were extremely happy and a sense of relief kind of washed mm-hmm. over us after we got it. We were like, we're a little bit more pr- protected. We don't have to be so cautious and paranoid all the time. Right. It, it was I don't, it was just a huge, huge lift off of us once we got that, that first dosage. Wow. And Abby, what about you? What was your experience like? My process was rather simple compared to others. I've, I'm currently helping navigate the registration process. So let's not get started on that. Oh, wow. (laughs) But my experience was not that easy. Um, Mm -hmm. My transplant team initially advised me to contact my primary care doctor to um, ask if they were administering the vaccine. When I contacted them, they explained that they would not be administering the vaccine, but asked me to email this other department within their group that was. And I was told to give them my name, the reason that I was in group 1B and my contact information. So I did all of that. I received an email the next day informing me that they could not find my name in the database as a patient. I replied by explaining that I do see three doctors within their group and named each of the doctors with those doctors functions. And they ended up forwarding my email to my dermatologist and not my primary care physician. Mm -hmm. It was all confusing for all of us. It took about a week to clear up and it was my dermatologist that handled the situation as opposed to my primary care doctor staff. And my dermatologist emailed me personally to let me know he got me an appointment to get the vaccine. And I was called the next day with a date location and time to get the first dose. Wow. Okay. That's good. So both of you have both of you completed both doses at this point? I have. Yes, I have as well. Okay. And then Abby, did you have any side effects from either dose? You know, no, I didn't even feel the injection, you know, other than my arm felt hot. I felt a little flush. Mm-hmm. Um, I was flagged for the 30 to 45 minute observation time since I was immunosuppressed, but I felt nothing other than the arm pain at injection site the next day, soreness in my arm and shoulder. And I was a bit fatigued the next day. That was it. Wow. And what about you, Holly? 
Um, I had pretty much the same symptoms that um, Abby has. Um, I didn't even feel the injection go in Mm -hmm. at all. Um, I stayed for 30 minutes after for monitoring uh, due to the immunosuppressants. Um, My arm was sore for about 24 to 36 hours afterwards. Um, It wasn't too bad. I didn't have to take Tylenol or anything like that. And I was just a little bit tired after. Um, But all in all, you know, I didn't feel anything. It was great. Good. That's great. Yeah. um, You know, what we've been seeing is that, you know, it just varies. Some people have um, you know, symptoms afterwards and, and some don't, so, or side effects rather. Um, but it's good to hear neither of you really had anything that was, that kind of knocked you off your feet, (laughs) you know, after having, having both doses. So what precautions, if any, do, do both of you take now to protect yourself against COVID? Um, Holly, I know you mentioned that there was just like a, a level of relief of kind of almost like a weight kind of lifted that you don't have to be as cautious. So, um, are there, are you still wearing masks? You know, what are some of the things you're doing out in public right now? Um, yes, um, we're still wearing masks. I'm still doing social distancing, the hand sanitizer, like nobody's business. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to the vaccine, um, I would only let my husband go out grocery shopping or run to the store or whatever we needed to. And now I feel a little bit more like I can go with him, mm-hmm. uh, and, you know, still wear my mask and things like that, but I don't feel as paranoid going out anymore. Right. Like, um, you know, my neighbors across the street, if they come over, you know, to drop something off or anything like that, because they were doing those things for me um, before I would put my mask on and everything to open up the door and, you know, be real cautious. And now I'm just, I just open up the door and I'm like, I'm, I'm okay with it, you know, for a minute or two, but um, I still do take the precautions of the hand sanitizer and the masking and all of those things going out right now. And I still am keeping my son home from school, but I'm allowing him to go in for two classes a day. Mm-hmm. So just kind of, you know, relaxing things a little bit, but still keeping that, um, that eye on things and, and that precaution, you know, that, oh my gosh, I still could get it because we're, you know, I'm only 95% protected from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's not even a guarantee, but, you know, so we're still taking some precautions, but I'm a little bit more lenient on some things, um, you know, like allowing my son to go to school and things like that, which was been a huge, a huge relief for him because bless his heart. He missed his friends so much. And yeah. it was a hard, it was hard on me at home seeing him like that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and what about you, Abby? Are I, there any precautions you're taking now still? I'm still maintaining the recommended precautions of wearing my mask, hand washing, mm-hmm. physical distancing of the six but or more. I stay home, of course, except for essential trips. I'm, I'm absolutely spoiled now with grocery delivery. So that's mm-hmm. gonna, you know, that may stay around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still using hand sanitizer and sanitizing wipes on everything. Um, mm-hmm. I cannot honestly say that I feel I'm 100% protected since getting the vaccine since, mm-hmm. you know, again, there's still no data of the effect. Right of the vaccine on immunosuppressed patients. So, right. you know, we have to live with this time will tell mentality, but at the same time, I'm still going to 
spray people with Lysol if I have to. (laughs) (laughs) So is there any advice that either of you would give um, someone who is immunocompromised um, that may be considering getting the vaccine? Is there any advice that you would, you would want to share with them if they're kind of on the fence about it? This is Holly. I would recommend that they go get the vaccine because like I said, um, some protection is better than none, even if it's proved to be that, you know, that immunosuppressant people don't have the full 95% protection that most people have. At least we have some protection, which is better than nothing Mm -hmm. at this point. Um, And like I said, I, I experienced no ill effects from it. And I've seen people with COVID and I really don't wish that upon anybody. I, I don't want it. I don't wish that anybody in my family gets it. Although my sister and my niece and my brother-in-law did Mm -hmm. (laughs) come down with COVID and that was horrible. I, I, you know, I don't want that for anybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, and I really hope people start to see the benefits in taking the vaccine and seeing how life can start to return to normal, the more and more people that get it. Mm-hmm. And what about you, Abby, any words of wisdom? I think I, I would like to add that I think most people need to be aware that, you know, the vaccine is not what you think and you're not, you know, you're not going to be inundated with all this false information that it's going to hurt you. Um, I would tell people that as a transplant patient, you are more likely to suffer more if you were to get COVID Mm -hmm. without the vaccine. And so getting the vaccines, even if you get it, it might not hurt you as bad. You may not be as affected as if you didn't get the vaccine. Mm -hmm. So I I would likely tell people that it's not as scary as you think. And if they're still hesitant to just have that conversation with your doctors and your care team, and ask mm-hmm. all the questions and make sure you have plenty of answers to make that informed decision. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been telling patients that have been calling me to just go do it, go mm-hmm. do it, just go get it. It's mm-hmm. not going to hurt you. Well, great. Well, I appreciate both of you taking time to talk with me today. Um, I'm so glad that all has worked out <laughs> with the vaccine with, you know, min- very minimal to no side effects and um, that both of you are thriving and doing well. So, so we thank you for, um, for joining us today. Again, thank, thank you, you for having us. All right. And thank you for listening to the latest episode of Align Health Solutions podcast, Making Healthcare Better.